What's up, party people? You know one of the worst things about being a self-employed performer? That's right, it's your tax. If you're sick and tired of collecting all your receipts and guessing your way through your tax rebate, well, I know the people that can remove the stress and make it as simple as five, six, seven, eight. That's right, it's Theat Accounts. They're an accounting company that specialize in working with performers. So they know all the things that we can claim back and it's so simple. You upload your invoices and bank statements to their website and they do all the work for you. It's cheap, it's easy, and once you try it, I guarantee you will not regret it. It has changed my tax life. Just email info at theataccounts.co.uk. That's theat, T-H-E-A-T, accounts. So again, that's info at theataccounts.co.uk. Make sure you tell them you're from the Ins and Outs podcast and you'll get some five-star VIP treatment. You will get treated like a king. Honestly, they've changed my life. They've made it so much easier. They've removed the stress from tax and they can do the same for you. Boom. The Ins and Out Podcast with your host, Kane Silver. In this episode of the Ins and Outs Podcast, I speak to the one and only Michael Wilson. Michael is a professional dancer. He's been an actor. He's a singer. He's an author. He's also a choreographer. He is a miracle. Um, and you will find out why he's a miracle if you listen to the whole podcast, which I recommend you do, because it is so inspiring. I don't say much, and Michael says a lot, but everything he says is so brilliant. He is one of the most inspiring people I've ever spent time with, and that's why I felt I had to have him speak on the podcast, because he truly inspires me. He's a very great human. more than He's more than a talent, and uh, I believe... If you don't know him, you'll understand that from this episode. Um, I hope you enjoy. I hope you're inspired, educated, and entertained. Um, Please also leave us a five-star rating and review on iTunes and share the podcast with your friends and family. And let us know who you want to hear from. Let me know who your favorite guests have been so far. Um, Let me know what you want us to improve on. Uh, Obviously, at the moment, everything is via Instagram, so the audio quality isn't fantastic, so I do apologize, but I am doing my best to make it work. Um, Thank you for all your support. Please be in touch with me. Uh, Here is the one, the only, the mighty Michael Wilson. Boom! Michael! the building! Michael! How you doing? The mighty Michael. You know what I'm saying? Yo, how come you got a t-shirt on? You just did a check with no top on. I thought it was going to be like a grinder date. Because <laughs> I'm in my house. So that was just for the life check. Is that funny? I had no Yeah, I was, like, I was like, yes, check. He's ready shirtless. I was like. No, I would never. No, nah, never. How, how are you? I'm good. I'm just uh, excited. I got some cheap gas today. So that was dope. Yeah, that's um, a good day. <laughs> yeah. And then... <laughs> I've done some of my morning, my morning regime, and now I'm here with you. And you're, you're a morning, per, you're a morning person, so I imagine you've done like six things already. Oh, at least fifty-two things by now. I'm so crazy. I bet you've prayed for like eighty-six people. Like, prayed. Done... I freaking I go for a walk. I do a light. I haven't done my workout. Normally, I've already done my workout. I listen to a couple pod- podcasts. I read. I go crazy. 
I thought you'd already done your workout because then I saw you share it. I was like, okay, he's feeling buff. I well, that's the thing is I was supposed to do it, but I ran out of time. I was talking to like my family and then, you know, family's crazy. So, Dude, I haven't seen you in forever. I know. I think the last time you saw me was in London. When yes. I was there like a few years ago and we went walking to get food. Yeah, you did. Uh, you were there with Justin, I think. Was it tour or promo? Tour. Oh, okay. The one I come to watch when he comes down on the drum kit. Oh, that was Tori. Yeah, the full out one. How are you? I'm good, man. Thanks. I can't complain. I think I've been doing a good job with everything going on. Mm -hmm. I think I've been like active. I've been reflective. I've been pissed off. I've been everything. When people ask me, they're like, how are you? I'm like a little bit of everything. That's like yeah. my number one answer because I literally am a little bit of everything. That's you as a human though. Yeah, I agree. Like, you know what I mean? Like, Michael, what do you do? Everything. Like, I mean, I'm just hustling. You know, life is complex and you can't get too comfortable. So I don't mind adjusting if I need to, like, figure it out. You know what I'm saying? It's like dodging things and making things happen. Exactly. I, I think in, like, the past three months where you weren't even meant to have been doing anything, I've seen you release music, perform, mm -hmm. make a music video. Uh, mm -hmm teaching with Tanashi, I was like, okay, so he's hustling even when he's not allowed to hustle. Here you go, son. Yeah, for sure. <laughs> You've been busy. Yeah, I, just, I don't know. I just think that people like, um, I feel like who obstacles, I feel like success and, and hard times reveal who you already are. Mm -hmm. And if you are work, if you're a hard worker, when an obstacle hits, you just work hard. If you're lazy, when an obstacle hits, it reveals it. And the same with success, you know, like if you're, if you have a good heart and you get successful, like that heart just is multiplied. When you're a douchebag and you get successful, it's multiplied. I just think like these things reveal us. And so I appreciate them. And uh, yeah, I, I've been telling everyone like we shut down, but that doesn't mean we have to stop. We have to mm -hmm. pause and maybe realign but we shouldn't have to stop because life is bigger than any one moment, even though it involves it. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. Well, this, well, like jobs have stopped, but life hasn't stopped. Right. And, and then you like, you know, I'm a man of purpose. So with me being a man of purpose, when the jobs start, stop, you have to ask yourself, do I now lack purpose? Because if your whole thing is pursued purpose and, and all of this, then what is purpose really? And I, I appreciate the fact that I don't find my identity in what I do. I find my identity in who I am. And therefore, what I do is just a vehicle for that. And so even though the job stopped, I didn't stop because I'm Michael each and every day before I got opportunity and when opportunity goes. Because in my industry, you can be on your dream job and then two years later, it's a wrap. And therefore, two, do you now stop? Two, two, days, two days later. Two yeah, days later. Yeah, like an award <laughs> show can be your dream artist, dream stage and maybe you get a week or two of rehearsals and then that one moment maybe you get to do it twice and it's gone so if you wrap your entire self in those moments it's like who are you really and is that enough to uh for long the longevity of life you know what i'm saying yeah. so when I'm you just, say uh, uh go, go on sorry no, no, no i'm just go. saying that's it really when when you say you're a, uh, a man of purpose, like I, I, I believe I understand what you're saying, but for people who don't really know you, explain what you mean by you're a man of purpose because they're probably like, what's he mean? I just think, you know, purpose, I'm a spiritual man too. So I think it's aligning with 
God's vision for me, when it comes to expressing love, when it comes to uh, representing what it means to live a life of faith, to live a life as an overcomer, someone who's not a punk and who doesn't cower to what they go through, but who's brave enough to go through it. And when I say purpose, it's embracing that identity that I'm a king, that I'm still a child, that there's a lot I know, a lot I don't know, embracing that identity and then putting it on the stage of my life to share the lessons, to share the highs and the lows as I genuinely connect with people to ultimately inspire them and help them learn just from being in connection with me. Um, I'm mm -hmm. not a person who teaches people by dictating and saying, this is what works. I'm a person who inspires by sharing my life transparently and openly. And so mm -hmm. I don't mind um, in the purpose of reaching people, being a person. And I think that's the part that uh, if you lack purpose, that's what you forget. You forget that it involves just the part of you that's a human that has to live every single day. And when you function mm -hmm. from purpose, you live every day with other people in mind and the stories it will tell as you guys cross paths in the pages of life, I guess. Yeah. And the thing that really resonated with me then is like you say that, you know, you share. And mm -hmm. from my, my experience with you and my friendship with you, I, I, I would say that if someone could say, what's the, what's the, what's your favorite quality of Michael? I would say like, besides like just being a loyal friend, it would be and a beautiful. generous friend and beautiful chocolate man. It'd be generous, you know? Like yeah. you're a generous friend and not generous as in like gifts and money, but generous as in time and compassion and the things which you can't buy. You know what I mean? Like the, the you're very generous in the th those things that you get from a loved one or a family member. And those are the things that really resonate from, for me with you. You know, mm -hmm. like if you're going through a rough time, you're always the person that you can count on to put an arm on your shoulder and help you through it. Or if you need advice mm -hmm. or if it's anything and yeah, so when you say you have a purpose, to me, your purpose in my eyes was to be a friend, but also to motivate and inspire me. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> right. Yeah, I totally um, appreciate that one. And first and foremost, thank you. It's a great compliment. And when you were saying all of those things, it just made me uh, be aware of the necessity to be human, right? I don't think we're just human. I, I think we're also supernatural beings, but we can't forget to be human. And that makes it easy to share and it makes it easy to be uh, honest in everything you go through. Like I'm, I'm very positive, right? Um, but mm. I don't lack problems. I don't lack obstacles. And mm. being generous and sharing is just acknowledging that regardless if you're a celebrity or the person who's been homeless 25 years, you're human. And mm -hmm. if I can touch the human, most likely we can unlock the part of us that's superhuman. And I'm aware of that. So I don't ever want to miss out in sharing our vulnerabilities because those are actually the things that make us strong because they reveal where we need to grow and they mm -hmm. reveal where we are more alike than we thought. Mm. Yeah. Do you think that's also what resonates with you being such a great teacher? because you're not yeah. just there to, to deliver steps. You know, like if anyone's ever right. taken your class, I'm pretty sure they can say that they left learning more than just moves. Right, I feel like my, my dance class is a life class. And mm. it's, because, it's, it's because I care about the person. I'm never in there just looking at my friends. 
I'm never in there only noticing who has the cool outfit. And I'm not in my classes to show off I can dance. If I need you to see me dance, I'm going to tell you the next show I'm on. And then you go watch me dance. I'm not going to use my classroom as a stage. You know what I'm saying? Mm -hmm. And yes, I am, I'm blessed enough to have both experiences. But I put in the effort to do that. And I honor both spaces. It's humility at the end of the day. Because mm -hmm. when I'm in class, I'm not trying to be a superstar. That's why if you go on my YouTube, most of my classes aren't even on there. Because I'm yeah. not in there to for people to see my light. I'm in there to use my light to illuminate others so we all mm. can see. I want to be able to see every person's light. And mm. when it comes to teaching, if that's not your heart, you're not a teacher. You're a shower. You're a performer, right? And, and some people are labeling themselves teachers and they're really just um, hungry for performance. And I'm not knocking it, but my classroom, I want the person to leave better because from my experience, dealing with a hard life, dealing with an hard, a hard industry, that if your person isn't together, it doesn't matter who likes you or dislike, dislikes you, you won't make it. There's mm. a lot of people I know who are so popular and so famous, and, and it wasn't until they loved themselves that they could actually find peace. And it's not until you find that inner peace that you can help calm the storms in other people. And when I teach class, I, I love focusing on the person because the minute they feel comfortable enough to suck is the same crashing place where they can actually become great. Yeah, that's a, it's true. And I've been in lots of your classes. So I'm like, yeah, I, I, I see that. Cause you, you're not the person which goes to the, uh, the most hype person in the room. You're the oh, one man. that goes to the one who's given the most, or even if they're possibly the worst, if they're, you know, wearing their heart on their sleeve and really giving it, you do go to them and go, all right, like, mm -hmm. that's dope. Now do this. Yeah, man. Um, thank you so much for coming on. I just, that was our little intro. I was like, what's up? Um, I want to talk about your kind of your career, but I don't want to just talk about the, the things that we can see on Instagram, you know, mm -hmm. like talking about the jobs and stuff is cool, but I feel like when we look at success in people, we always try and find the finished product. We never try and find what got the finished product. And actually, mm -hmm. I, I believe the things that we learn from is people's journeys, not people's endings. Oh. You know, like it's easy to see at the top of the mountain and go, I want to get there. But actually, what's, what we can be educated or inspired from is your climb to the top. You know what I mean? <laughs> so right. take me to the beginning. So I know that you were an actor before dancer. Right. This is true. And the thing is, I did, I wasn't like a trained actor and it wasn't a goal of mine. I'm from LA, which most people can't say, um, that are in the industry, at least, obviously tons of people can say that. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And my dad was in LA, South LA, which is the hood. My mom was in Riverside, which is like uh, outside of LA. And I was a little bit uh, back and forth, but predominantly with my mom until one point, then another point, blah, 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 blah. Long story short, I grew up, I knew, I always talked a lot. I always had a strong opinion and I, I've always had influence over people. I've been able to go into a room, speak no matter how different we were and find common ground and get people to listen to me. So I originally sought out to be a Senator and I went to college. I majored in communications, minored in political science. I thought I was going to be in politics. I thought I was going to be a senator in law school. And I went to college. And while I was in college working at a part-time job, there was an audition for um, a MTV miniseries that was like improv-based. 
and it was a satire of all the different reality shows. So parts of it were, were reality and then some parts were situational. I auditioned, mm -hmm. I think I was like 18. I auditioned, it was a joke. I didn't think they were actually going to even call me back. And they called me back and they were like, yo, so we have, this is the last week of casting. Can you come to the MTV studios in Santa Monica tomorrow? And it happened to be the only day I didn't have college classes and I didn't have work. So I was like, okay, at the time I worked at Abercrombie. And so I was just like, okay, great, I can go. I did this audition, went in there. You know, I love the freedom of not knowing because you can just totally be wild and crazy if you have my type of personality. <laughs> I went in there, I shut the thing down, was wild. I knew I did not get it because she was like, oh, I'm sure if this doesn't work out, something else will. And I'm like, well, those, that's not encouraging. <laughs> so I left, laughed with my friends. I was like, yo, it was fun, but who knows, who cares? Thought I didn't get it. A month later, they called me. You made it to the next round. A month later after that, you made it to the next round. A month after that, I was in the final round where I had to go to the Roosevelt Hotel in Hollywood and meet the other castmates, but we couldn't talk to each other. Yeah, no, you, yeah you're good, you're good. Okay, great. No, no, if we made good. it onto the show, then they wanted that first moment like we've met. But so we couldn't talk, but we could just see each other. Pretty, everyone's pretty outgoing, good looking. They're like, who's this? Who's this? They're from it's all LA. The <laughs> it's in LA, but all the people were from everywhere. Only two of us were from California. So oh. I was like from LA and there was another dude from Northern California. Everyone else was from a different state. So I get on the show, right? It's this funny parody show. And it's my first experience with cameras, my first experience with being mic'd, with being filmed. And the show comes out and I'm like, you know, in the intro, I'm walking out and people know me. Like, they know my name. They're like, you're the guy from, da -da -da, you're the one who did this. And so I got to experience a taste of fame. And I was in young Hollywood. I was 18, but able to get into all the clubs. And I had a quick moment. Meanwhile, I'm still trying to balance like college life because I never sought out to be an entertainer. And this is the most important part of this, this story is how I knew I had purpose in the industry versus just talent. A lot of people say I have talent and I have passion. This is what I'm supposed to do. To me, I'm like, okay, you may have talent, but it could just be something for a hobby. You may have passion, but where should that passion be directed, right? Like crazy people have passion that's misdirected. So it wasn't enough that I had talent and that I had passion. I had to see if I had purpose. And it was a, I was about to go on for my scene and this huge, big black cameraman, I'm like small and 18 and I'm just like, tiny and I'm looking at him and I felt something was wrong and this is the God in me so if y'all know about it holla for the prophetic so I look at him and I just I don't remember what I said but I said something to him like out of the blue just like if I'm here and this is the cameraman I looked at him and I spoke into his life and he just started to cry and then I almost I looked and I and I heard God say like you're supposed to be I need you to be a light in the industry and I was like, no, I don't want to be in the industry. It's crazy. I don't want to deal with not knowing how much money I'm going to make. I already dealt with that growing up. I'm not doing it. Then I did my scene. So that was the first moment when I said, oh, my God, I think this is a part of my future. I did the show. Show came out, had a little bit of fame. I was about to get a manager. I was about to be a, a, a VH1 like um, host. It's not VH1, mm -hmm. MTV, music, uh, music uh, like a VJ, they were called. Yeah, I was yeah. like up for that. Video like, my DJs. Life, 
yeah, my life was about to change, but I was like, no, I don't want to do the industry. It's too dark. I don't want to have to deal with that hustle. I quit, went back to college, but I had that nagging in me that was like, you're supposed to be an entertainer. So I pray, I was like, I'm not going to go back to acting. I don't want to do the industry, but I've always liked to dance. And then it was in my mind. I knew two dancers, Tyro Washington, who's a legend. If you don't know who yes. that, he's not like uh, Instagram famous, but as far as but resume, he, but he doesn't, he doesn't need to be. <laughs> and heart, like there ain't enough views and likes and clicks and swipes and shares to represent his career. And then I met this other dancer who's huge now. And at the time he was just getting his traction and his, or his momentum, his name's Jimmy Smith. I met them and they kind of told me about a, like dance agencies. And me, I'm, you guys, I'm one of those fools that when I'm inspired, I just go for it. So I Google these, like, I probably wasn't Google at the time. Right? I find out about Clear Talent, Clear Talent Group. That's not the agency I'm with, but I found out about them. I went to the audition with no dance training. You never did a class ever. I did one, two classes at a 24 hour fitness. <laughs> So, so you did aerobics. <laughs> you did dance aerobics. And so I go to this clear talent audition, make it to the end, right? I get the call for the meeting, and I'm like, oh my God, I'm about to be dance a dancer, right? I go there, I'm in the meeting, y'all. I got a cut, you know, black guys with our haircuts, got my yeah. hair on. You know what I'm saying? I'm sitting here, I'm at the meeting, you know? And they're like, so how long you been dancing? I'm like, oh, I just. I haven't been dancing. I kind of just started. I took two classes at the gym. And they're like, what do you mean? I was like, yeah, I don't have training. I just have heart and I work hard. And then they got nervous. They were like, though you made it this far, we were going to sign you. But once you get signed, that's actually the beginning. And you need to have networked and be trained in more areas so that you understand how to be a professional, not just dance. I got pissed. I took it as a sign that I'm not supposed to do dance at all or the industry. So then once again, I left. I was like, well, that was it. I did good, but I guess that's nothing. Wasn't until about three years later, and throughout that period, I just had this nagging, and I was out of, I was out of college and had a corporate job, and I just had this nagging that you're still supposed to be in the industry. Why are you fighting it? So I prayed, and I was like, okay, God, like, if you open up a door, I'll walk through it, because I've already proven I have the, the boldness and the get up and the go, and Somehow I met someone, Trey Rich, who worked at Millennium. I realized I lived down the street from Millennium. They had a work study program. Shout out to Jen Lee Robert. I, I yes, treated Jen. it like church. I, I treated it like church, yo. I showed up in a suit, a tie. I was like, it's a job interview. And everyone else is like, oh, no, no. Twets. I'm in a full three-piece suit sweating <laughs> at Millennium Dance, Millennium Dance Complex in this interview. But I got the position, and once again, I'm the guy that- Of course you, you did, you had a suit on. <laughs> if you give me the shot, I'm gonna go all of the way. And from that moment that I became a work study, I took more than 22 classes a week while having a full-time career job running 100. I ran, I ran over 130 people, two different locations, and still took over 22 classes on average a week plus freestyle, plus whatever I had to do. I was determined and I was driven. And from that moment, 
I, I just put in work, I put in work because I said, if I can make it to the end of a dance audition, just off of drive, what would happen if I actually had the skill to match my passion and the skill to match my talent? And this is a key takeaway. People forget that you have to work hard. It's not enough to just want the dream. You have to become the dream. There's a lot of stuff I want, but I can't just get it unless I truly become it. And I knew that if I wanted to succeed as a professional, I had to become professional. And therefore I took all of the classes you could think of. I took classes I didn't like. I took great classes, crappy classes, anything you could take I took because I knew that there was something I could learn from it. And I did my part to make sure I knew the difference between standard and what I was taking for another reason. Some of the classes I didn't like and I didn't want to dance like those teachers, but I knew that I wanted to be able to do their style in case they booked the choreographer as my dream job. I didn't want to miss out on the job because I was unfamiliar with something. I never want to miss an opportunity because I didn't do my part. So I put in my part, you guys, I did work for a long time. I just sacrificed and just was exhausted from training. One year after becoming a work study, uh, all the agencies had auditions again. And this time around, they all wanted to sign me. And this time around, I got to choose. And I chose Block Talent Agency. And I've been signed. Shout yep. out. Whoa, 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 whoa. You can't, man. We fly, boy. We fly. <laughs> Shout out to Block. I love you. And that was the, that's been the only dance agent I've had. And I've been signed with them since 2008. And it took a lot of work and the work didn't stop because I've already learned previously that once you get signed, that's the beginning. And uh, I guess that's the intro to what got me in if you wanna interject and ask me anything else. When, when you were taking these, like the 22 classes a week and mm -hmm. you said you were just throwing yourself into anything, how did you know what was good and what was bad with no understanding of dance before that? I was, was good and bad to you by what it felt like on you? Or did you know? No, I looked at people. So I looked and compared, right? Because not everyone who gets called out is dope, <laughs> alert, <laughs> right? But- yeah, So that's why uh, I'm asking, that's least, why I'm asking. At least <laughs> half of them are, right? Mm -hmm. And I wanna say that I was drawn to work ethic. And if you have great work ethic, and at the same time, you're unashamed. You get really good results. So the dancers I look up to at that moment, I remember Dana Wilson, Ava Bernstein. Um, there was other great dancers like Antonio Hucknall that you can just see in there. It's, it's like undeniable talent. Oh, this is it. This is it now that I'm thinking of it. You have to look at the best. Not, not the people that are just cool and flashy, but really the people that it's, it, the talent's undeniable. And once you, and, and what's undeniable is undeniable regardless of what level you are. Mm. Like if you have no expertise about dance and you see someone who's actually one of the best in the world, you know they're one of the best in the world even though you don't understand. So mm. I gravitated to undeniable talent. And there's a nice handful of people who have undeniable talent and from there, I started to, what I said earlier, compare to the, oh, oh, they're good, but that's great. They suck, but that's good. They suck, but they became great. They were great, and now they're good. And I started to see the trends of how people train. So first, I did notice flash, but I was mm -hmm. critical on, is it just flash or is it light? 
There's a difference. And after that, I started to see who was well-rounded. And then I made a choice from there, from what I saw, who I wanted to be. And that's the part where we're trapped. We're only trapped in the who I want to be, but then you don't put on those clothes. So I said, I want to be a mixture of all these people I think are amazing and all these styles. So as I was taking all the classes, they, it started to make more sense because I was forming someone who can do anything versus someone who just wants to work hard versus someone who just wants to be in every class. It wasn't just, I need to be in every class. It was, I need to add to my wardrobe. I need to add to my vocabulary. And in language, right, we have key words that they teach us in school. And then there's the lingo. There's all the bad words, all the little slogans and slang you learn. You have to learn both because you use proper English or whatever language you speak, you use the proper skills at a time, but in your day-to-day -day interactions, you're using the slang, you're using the lingo, you're using whatever it will take to communicate to that person. So mm -hmm. I knew that I was just adding to my vocabulary of dance, and I knew that it was first good by comparing it to what was undeniable, what seemed unattainable and not reachable. And you have to have balls or breasts. <laughs> 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 To, to, to do that and the reason why or is both. because you have to not be afraid of the truth that these people are here and you're here you can't be afraid of that and that didn't intimidate me because i knew i could outwork anybody and in time my work ethic mixed with knowing the standard it would eventually do 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 and, and in time low-key i surpassed a lot of teachers in resume and and well-rounded ability that's so dope. It's a, it's a great mentality and it makes sense of how um, successful you became so quick with that understanding, you know, because mm. a lot of the times I feel like, and I'm definitely someone which does that and goes, nah, that's not me. I don't like that. But if we can, if you can get yourself to the place to go, do you know what? I might not like it, but I need to understand it so I can communicate right. it at some point. That's it's a great skill to have. And especially and you, were, you did it in a very smart way because if you're working at Millennium Study, you get those 22 classes for free. So you yeah, automatically right. remo you remove the, the reasons that you can't train. Mm -hmm. You know what I mean? Like there was no like, I can't afford class. No but message in the car. How many people get fired for not taking enough classes on the free scholarship? Or how many people just take six or seven classes? Mm. And, you know, and then like, let's say you're not a work study. You'd be surprised at how many people will spend money, look dope to be in a class for an hour, hour and a half, stay in the back and then never practice the routine again. Do you know how many playlists of classes I had for the week? Oh, I had this playlist of these are the classes I took for the week. And I would listen to those playlists and practice those dances every time they came on, every time yeah. the songs came on. Then I had the list of these are the ones I really struggled with. I need to do those more. Like the work is beyond what people see, which is the whole point of your podcast. It's mm -hmm. an inner, it's an inner work, the ins and the out. We love the out, but you don't get none of the out until that in is overflowing. Yeah, no, it's facts. Do you feel like that because you're at uh, work, the work study and you got to meet a lot of the people um, teaching and coming in and out the door, do you feel like building those relationships with people had an effect on maybe how you trained or what you knew you had to do. So say, for example, you know, Marty's coming in every Monday and Wednesday, and it might not be your thing, but you know he's going to choreograph for Justin and you know he's dope. So just that relationship, and then you go, okay, I need to take that because that's a goal. 
Right. Yes, I do agree it helped. And to, at some point, it didn't help. So in the mm. beginning, it helps because you're exposed to a whole new world and you're meeting a zillion different people from all over this whole new world. And it's easy to find the information, right? Working a front desk is like having access to Google. You can yes. just, whoever comes up, ask a question, you learn something, front desk, mm -hmm. right? But we have that access in our phone. And yeah. so now, it's like, you may not be a work study at Millennium, but most of y'all, most of y'all got phones. And if you don't have a phone, your friend got a phone. Not friend, friend. F-R-E-N, friend got a phone, right? <laughs> so I took that knowledge and was asking questions. I, and I was paying attention. I was looking at who got called out and then weighing it. Are they undeniable? Are they good? Are they great? Did they just have a good moment? What is it? Who's then from there? Who's consistent and who's consistently working? What are you working on now? I, I've always been a person to know who choreographed it, probably who directed it and who's dancing on it, even if I'm not a part of it, because I learned from just paying attention. All we have to do is pay attention and plug in. So that worked for a while. Then it reached a moment where it didn't work because people started to know me as the front desk guy with a lot of energy. And I yeah. didn't enter the industry to be a front desk guy with a lot of energy. I entered to be a star. I entered to be a man of purpose. I entered to discover my limitations and break them, not to be a front desk person with a lot of energy. So I had to quit. And I was like, yo, I got to quit because people are starting to know me as this. And that's not my identity. That's not who I ever wanted to be. So to sum it up, I paid attention. I asked a lot of questions. I was able to assess who was who, why and why not, but I never lost sight of who I was and who I told myself I was going to be. And then that allowed me to pick my wardrobe. If I'm going to a wedding, I'm not gonna pull out my slides because I'm going to a wedding. <laughs> I got pants on though at least, you know what I'm saying? Y'all better be grateful your boy got clothes on. Hello. Oh, you're a fool. You're a fool. Okay. It's okay, though. I got my slides, too. That's what I'm saying. <laughs> that's oh, that's killed me. Um, so, did you, so you quit the work study, right? Yeah. Then, did you know what the goal was? Was there like a, I want to work with Jaquel. I want to work with this person. Was there, a, was there a goal or was it just like, I'm going to dive in the pool and see, what, see where I swim? Like, this is where I'm different than a lot of people. My goal was never a dream artist. My goal was to be a good man, period. My goal was to be a good man. From there, my goal was to build genuine relationships. And in building genuine relationships, by default, you network. Mm -hmm. I'm a good man, genuine relationships. By default, I'm networking, right? Then mm -hmm. to bring it back to being a good man, one of the main reasons why I work so hard at everything I do is not to prove that I'm good enough to other people, but to, up, to represent the man I know I'm called to be. If I know I'm called to be an amazing person, then everything I do should be amazing because everything I do is representing the person. So I said, I wanna be a good man, no matter what I'm doing. I wanna build genuine relationships. By default, that was networking. And then by default, my skills were already there because I had one. I wanted to be a good man. 
So now as I'm building these genuine relationships, I guess that's too, uh, I'm flipping y'all off now. <laughs> as, I'm building, as I'm building genuine relationships and networking, my skills match the opportunities that I want. Mm. A lot of us are nice people. You can't just be nice in an industry that requires you to be amazing. Mm -hmm. You gotta be amazing. And if you're amazing and a douchebag, you're not gonna make good relationships. And if you get the opportunity, you may not get it again. So I wanted to make genuine relationships so that they knew that they were hiring a good man who worked hard and would get the job done. That's how I focused on what I wanted. And now when it became to the level of there are certain goals I want, like, oh, I haven't done that award show yet. I haven't done a tour yet. The reason behind it is much different. My reasons for doing those things was because I knew I had purpose and I just wanted to illuminate that atmosphere. Oh my God, if I'm on tour with an artist, I'm gonna spend more time with them and all the people. And as I'm a good man making genuine relationships, I'm impacting more people. Oh my God, if I'm on a stage for a world tour and there's 90,000 people there and I know we're all hurting and dealing with life and I know that I can share my light to help illuminate others, look at all the lives I could touch that will one day touch lives, that will one day touch lives. My whole reason for doing the stuff I do is literally just to spread that you can be a good person in a flashy industry and not become darkened. Mm, that's dope. I love the, I love your outlook on it. It's not, you don't even be like, I want to do this job because I want to perform in front of these people. I want to, I want to get a dope resume. I want to do this. I guess it's all about sharing like you said earlier first first i'm not saying i've never been like because i don't mind proving myself i'll mm -hmm. go somewhere and be like oh they don't know i can do this style let me show them i'll tell everyone put me on stage next to your favorites so i don't mind i'm not saying i don't i'm not competitive i'm extremely competitive but that's not my foundation and that's not my that's not the driving force behind what i'm doing does that make sense yeah, yeah and my driving sure. force is honest so even when i'm pursuing more materialistic surface goals the core of me is not and therefore it keeps it balanced versus it just being surface i do instagram i have selfies and all that stuff but every just every description has life in it so it, mm. it balances it out and i'm aware of that balance so i pursue from an honest place and then those other things i put on are standing on something honest and then what comes through is the roots of honesty, not the roots of, I feel bad, I've always hated myself, and now I want someone to think I'm cool so I can like myself for two days and then hate myself tomorrow. What? I don't got time for that. <laughs> but, yo, that's, that's, what, that's kind of what Dan, the industry is based on right now. You know, yeah. that's a big factor in it. It's, it's how many followers you got, how many <laughs> likes you get, and that defines the, the skill or the talent of the person. Like you said earlier, when you said about Terrell Washington, you know, not a big Instagram person or a superstar, but that doesn't define his skill or his work ethic. But at the moment, I feel like that is how we're defining who's talented or who's not. We go, oh, they've got this many likes. They teach at this many studios. They do this. And that's what we're basing our, uh, our what's the word? Our thoughts of someone, you know, how we view them. We unfortunately with our own careers i know mm -hmm. so many people who downplay the opportunities they get because they're not those opportunities first of all some of my favorite jobs have been for c-list artists first of all mm. sometimes my favorite stuff has been things i did for free 
but when you like you're saying if you have a mindset where you're not putting it according to just numbers and fame now you can really see like just true value right like true value what's actually valuable and that's important no for sure what was your first gig so if you left millennium had you worked while you're at millennium or did you leave i worked while i was at millennium a little bit but one of my first jobs was to dance for this uh show called monster shop bumping and it's funny because it had been from the job no it had rain from the jabberwockies and it had some of culture shock la people so it's like people before they were like kind of blowing up and then i had to dance in costume because i had good energy and i would be in this big costume dancing and then i would also change that was one of my first opportunities i got that kept my bills being paid um i became a kids teacher at millennium and i only allowed myself to work one day a week and from there jobs just start rolling in when i got signed to block i started working right away i think i booked like my first 10 out of 13 jobs with block right away but it wasn't right away. It was all that effort I put in prior to getting to that moment. So when I stepped into my moment, I was ready for it. Mm. Did you ever find that when, say you were getting put up for jobs and then you didn't get them or you go into auditions and not getting them, did it dishearten you? Or did you know that I just have to keep working and I'm going to get it? Did you still keep that same mentality? Where is you going to go? Well, I'm still working to be undeniable. It's a little bit of both. Um, because I don't mind wanting something specific. I don't, I'm not so positive that I go to auditions. Oh, whatever happens. Oh, I'm just here. I love life. Hey, I know because bills got to be paid. Hello, work is being put in. But what I do do is I go into the audition saying, I, I'm going to allow myself, what I do do, I allow <laughs> myself to want it fully, entirely, so I can see myself there, right? So I can become it. But then I also understand that. I could not get it. So what you do is I, I let the win reveal my identity, but I don't let the defeat define me. Mm -hmm. So it allows me to go into an audition wholeheartedly, fully committed. And then when I don't get it, I'm still me. Mm -hmm. You may cry sometimes, you may be upset, especially if it's your fault, but you're still you. And I've, I've never lost sight of who I was. That's why I spent like you got on talking about what things have you done already? You prayed for this and this. It's like, yes, I spend hours, three to four every morning, just being comfortable in my own skin, figuring out who I am and how I see the world so that when media and news and uh, catastrophic events happen, they don't shift me and they don't define me. They only reveal me. And, mm -hmm. and that mindset with auditions allowed me to be fully available and present and then to disconnect when it reached the end of the road. Mm. That's dope. Cause I feel like in this industry, that is the, one of the hardest things, you know, is like, there's not many industries where you go and put your, you wear your heart on your sleeve. You show everything that you've been working towards totally. for three people to sit in front of you and, and determine whether you're good or bad, you right. know, like bank people who work in banks, they don't do that. You know, there's no other jobs really, except for the entertainment industry where it's a, a weekly basis where you go and show you fully you and you give them your your all undeniably everything right. to get shut down you know right. and it's something which i feel like a lot of people struggle with yeah i think that i always tell people the normal world that their, their responsibility is just to 
not get fired to stay hired, right? Mm -hmm. We're always getting fired and having to prove why we should be hired. So they're, they just need to not get fired. And we're constantly in a situation to prove that we should be hired. Mm -hmm. And it, it's draining. I'm not saying it's easy. I'm not saying I don't get mad. Like I'm the guy who takes classes serious. If I mess up mm -hmm. in class, I'm pissed and practicing before mm -hmm. I get to the next class. Um, so I take it to heart, but I take it to heart to become great. And then overall that, I know my future is not defined by people and events. My future is defined by God and who he said I could be, period. So even if that's not the way, I have enough faith in who I am and the God I serve that I can create the way. So maybe nobody, let's say if no one took a chance on me, I could take a chance on myself. And I've always been an underdog for my level. Like I always have to be 15 steps ahead to get the credit I deserve. I was aware of that when I first started and I don't mind it. And it makes sense because I'm not flashy. I'm not the black guy trying to teach to all the rap stuff and be swagged out. I'm gonna teach to what I wanna teach to. I'm not gonna be in there trying to prove to you I'm cool and I got my grill in. You know, I wear cool stuff, but I'm in there just like trying to dance and get you better. I'm gonna talk to you about your life. I'm gonna ask you about your mom. I'm not, I'm not cool guy, I'm a real guy. You know what I'm saying? And that delays your journey because the world is attracted to cool. They're attracted to the bad guy. They're attracted to the grit and, and the, the grime, the sex. That's what they're attracted to. And I know that, but I'm not gonna let that stop me. And I'm definitely not gonna let it change me. So if I have to work three times as hard as you, then a bro's gonna work three times as hard as you. If I have to sometimes shift my character a little bit to let you know that I could be that too, then I'm gonna be that too. And that allows you to be a chameleon. I work, I'm one of those dancers who, who's worked with most choreographers and a lot mm -hmm. of different types of artists. I don't just do the black jobs. I don't just do the white jobs. I don't just do tours. I don't just do television. I do it all. And then I can mm -hmm. choreograph my own as well. And that's because I'm willing to shift and I'm willing to be open like that. Yeah. No, I, that's, it's dope, man. You're so inspiring. That, Thank you. No, no doubt. That's why, that's your purpose, right? Um, hello. Hello. Um, when was it that dance became full-time? That it was no longer a work study, there was no longer side hustles, there was no longer nothing. What was the turning point? That happened at the same moment that I got signed, like right before I got signed, but not when I got signed. In my mind, I thought I would get signed, book a movie or a commercial, and have to quit my job. Mm. It doesn't happen like that. No. No. And then if you believe in God, let me tell you, because he really don't, he don't let you get comfortable. Then it happens. You have to make yourself uncomfortable. So we think the dream comes, now I live it. No, you have to live it, then the dream comes. It's, it's backwards with for people of faith. So I quit my job and they were like, why are you quitting your job? I was one month away from a promotion and they were like, why did you quit? And I just, you know what I told them? I said, I can't choose security over purpose. All right. And they were like, I said, I know I have a promising future with this company. You're a, a top 500 company. And I know my promotion is less than 30 days away that I've already gotten, but that's security and I'm a man of purpose. So I quit and I cried because I was like, bro, did you really just quit? <laughs> then I went home and what did I do? I took all my emotion and now I owned my purpose. I took classes from 9 a.m. to 10 p.m. at night. So many classes 
at Millennium that one day from ballet on, I took anything on the, on the board that I cramped at the end of the night and was crying in the parking lot because I just pushed myself, but I let it be real. And I have not had a job since. So within one year from the time I started, but with a lot of work, so not just wanting it, I worked for it. I went full time and I've never had a side job throughout my dance career. You're a hustler. And that's crazy because most people have. I've never yeah. had anything. But I, I worked. Like, I don't think people know how hard I worked. And I don't think people know how hard I still work. No. You yeah. still take a lot of class, right? I do when I can. I work so much more. But I still take a lot of class. I freestyle almost every day. I choreograph all of the time. It's not just what people can see. Like you said, it's not just what they see. It's what they don't see that actually makes the difference. And I do a yeah. lot behind the scenes. Uh, and obviously now you're not even just trying to be a dancer now, you know, like no. now you've started, now you've wrote a book, which yep. I love. Yeah, get it, uh, the mighty I, little book. It's legit, sold worldwide in all major bookstores. It is, it's dope. And uh, I read it on holiday, on vacation, on the beach in Spain. And I, I'm not, I, I'm not a religious person. I don't have faith, but even I resonated with the book and I, rem I messaged you after you it. You do have faith. You may not be religious, but you have faith well, because you moved yes, all the way faith. to America. So you can't tell me you don't have faith. Well, well, I said to you, I was like, I just changed the word God to mum. And then it all made sense to me because I've mm. made the same, uh, the same connections. And it was the dopest book. It was so inspiring. It was easy to read. So if people haven't got it, I do recommend getting it because mm -hmm. it is great. I've still got it. Um, and now you're singing. Mm -hmm. You're trying to become a singer. You want that to be the full-time gig now? No, because I do everything I do. Um, I'm not one of those people that's like now, since I sing, I'm too cool to dance. And I've had some success with singing. I sang at the Grammys this year before we shut down. That was a huge mm -hmm. opportunity for me to book that as a singer, not a dancer. Um, and I was so excited to, to get hired as a singer and to use my gift in that way. But, uh, the past few years I've been doing paid shows. Um, I get hired as a singer. I write music, I release music. I love what I release and it's at a good quality. And so far it's proven to be somewhat timeless, the things I've released from 2016 to now. So it's just something I wanna add. You, uh, dancers take this, like you always want to have multiple streams of income. So it's like my book and author, motivational speaker world. It's my dancer choreography world. It's my music, our artist world, and then whatever else I add. I also started a motivational coaching program. It's called Motivated by Mighty. It's not just for dancers, it's for all different types of people. It's in beta and I have some people involved. If you want to be a part of it, it's not expensive and it's really helpful. Hit your boy up with a DM. How, tell, us, tell me a bit about that. How do, you, how do you run it? Like, what is it? So you basically get two, two videos from me talking like this twice a week. You have an email where you can access me to ask any sort of questions, not just dance, but life questions, because I inspire a lot of different type of people. Um, I, there's, there's weekly tasks, but those tasks are according to what you set for yourself. And so all I do is pretty much I hold you accountable to the things you said you would do. And you'd be surprised of how much that makes a difference in someone's life. Because if you told me last week you were going to do X through whatever or A through whatever, I'm expecting that. And if you don't meet your goals, you have to send in a video explaining yourself. And I'm not like a teacher. And, you know, since it's not just dancers, I don't have expertise in every area. But either you did or you didn't at the end of the day. 
And either you accomplished your goals or you didn't. And I just help you to see, did you or did you not? And I have a few tools in there that I have people do daily. And I switch it up so that they have uh, certain personal challenges that they have to overcome to apply to their to their goals and their dreams. And it's been successful so far with the feedback. Um, the sign-up fee includes one of my books. So if you want the book, that's another way. Sign up. And yeah, it's, it's a very simple program, but it's effective and it pushes you to see yourself. And the book again, Faith Newport, is called The Mighty Little Book by Michael Wilson. Can, can't you type that in the... Yeah, I'll send, I know Faith, I'll send her a link, but I'll put everything in the bio of the podcast. Yeah, so the program is very promising. I love it. And it's another stream of income. It's another way for me to reach people who may not be right in front of me. Um, and it's another opportunity to see life, a life unfold, because that's mm -hmm. the, the greatest legacy. Like, I know we're looking for these stars to be our resume builder, but I think the people you cross and how you touch them should be on your resume. Mm. And with that mindset, you stay booked. Like, yeah. don't book a job, book life. And your resume mm. should be filled with all the amazing people you cross paths with every day. And this is one mm. way for me to do that through the program. Because it's a different world than dancer, choreographer, singer, songwriter, author, speaker. And who knows what else I'll do next, you know? Because mm -hmm. Go ahead. No, go. Keep going. I'm done. That's it, I think. I was I was gonna say like I, I always say it's like you said it's not about just your resume like I always say reputation over resume like mm -hmm. you might have the dopest resume but what are people saying about you what do people think about you what do people like you are you doing mm -hmm. good like you said earlier being a good man are you making the right choices and for me although the resume is great whilst we're trying to book the next job maybe but to, to, to sustain something mm -hmm. you need to have a nice reputation with those people a good rapport right right and that just goes for life, I think. And this is another key takeaway that for anyone really listening, um, don't build a lifetime, build a legacy. We're so focused, we're so self-consumed and so vain and so into ourselves that we just care about the success we can get today. But if the success you get today stops a million people tomorrow, it's not worth it. If your problem today helps a million people tomorrow, it's worth it. And that's how you have a mindset of legacy versus just how dope can I be in my lifetime. I'm not living just for me because all the people that went before me lived for me, even though they didn't know me. The Martin Luther Kings, the John Lewis's, the Helga's, and the everyone else's. They were living, they were in their 20s living for people who were going to live 20, 30, 40, 50, 60 years from now. And when you have that mindset, it's hard to dream small. When you have that mindset, it's hard to be a, a douchebag, a punk. <laughs> no, facts. facts, facts. That's so true. Um, do you have any standout moments where you're like, uh, this is it, like I'm achieving my purpose, but whilst performing or in a performing environment? Because I'm sure you have them when you're at like a church gathering or you're mo sure. motivational speaking. But are there any moments that actually really stand out to you like mid-show where you're like, this is, this is it, this is the... Yeah, there's been a few moments. There's been times when people don't know I'm a man of God, a man of faith. Oh, sorry, but yet will come oh. up to me and ask me to pray. And I'm like, how did you know that? 
how did how did I become the person that you should talk to? When I was on Purpose Tour, we were I was hosting Bible studies, connect groups. I was praying for people, being pulled off stage to pray for people, or like still in wardrobe trying to get undressed. Um, on other tours, I would be when I remember I was with Austin Mahone. I was in Louisiana. No, I was on a BET tour, not Austin Mahone, different tour. BET tour. I was in Louisiana. Felt weird, like I shouldn't be with the group and go do my own thing. As soon as I went and did my own thing, I had all these weird situations. There was a worker at Popeye's Chicken <laughs> in New Orleans who was being so rude to everyone. I mean, like almost borderline evil. And I was in line thinking like, I'm about to give her a piece of my mind. I wish she would. But when I got up there, I felt to do the opposite. So I just started dancing and she was mean to everyone. Next, next, and I'm just dancing. And then she eventually stopped and just started laughing. And I said, see, I knew it was in you. You just having a rough day. And then from there, I just started singing. And this the other worker woman walked by, dropped her food. And she was like, man, I feel God all over you. And she started crying. And then I left and I talked to homeless people that entire night. So instead of going to like the cool parties, I just was in the streets. And I have those moments all of the time. I know people all over the world because I just pay attention and I'm available to people because that's what we don't have enough of right now. Mm -hmm. You know, like all the fighting and the pandemic and Black Lives Matter in America, just all these things and politics. The problem isn't that we see differently than each other. The problem is we just won't see each other. Mm -hmm. um, and if we just stop to listen to one another a little bit more and connect, we, we would find we all have purpose and that purpose is better lived together. Mm. Preach. <laughs> cry too, boy. Oh, yeah, yeah. Don't cry. Don't cry. Um, this is going to kick us off in like three minutes. Can we go off and come back on? And then I would like you to talk about the your incident and your rebirth because oh, yes, I think that I think that'll inspire. You forgot? How did you forget? Not forgot. <laughs> I think um I just it's really inspiring and I think it'll help people. Okay, great. One love. I'll be back now. Send me a screenshot of the people. You know how it shows the people? Mm-hmm. I got you. All right. Bye. So, um, it's okay. You still look fly. Um, <laughs> uh, I so, adjust and plug my phone up. I got a situation. Sorry. Um, so, one of the <clears throat> things when I, uh, I met you that really inspired me was when you told me the story about your incident and how... Mm -hmm. Uh, I don't know. It was just one of those ones where you hear a story and you're like, no way. And it was super inspiring to me. And whenever I think things are crap or going bad or things aren't going my way, I kind of remind myself of that, of your story. And I go, you know, and it, miracles happen, you know, like mm -hmm, yeah, this, totally. this, this, this is going to be okay. So if you don't mind sharing your story, I would love that. Yeah. Well, I think the key thing is faith is real. God is real. Miracles do happen. You've seen me talk. I've been on stages. I eat. And none of those things I was supposed to be able to do anymore. And another key thing is the mindset I have was prior to this situation. A lot of times near-death experiences make the, the better version of the person come out. I already had this mindset before, but the thing is, it was now going to be tested. And so as a, before I go into the story, don't let your obstacle tell you that you went the wrong direction. Just let it reveal how you should go higher. Because 
I was already this man of faith who always promoted just have faith, just be a good God person, just believe and you can make it happen. When it gets hard, just keep pushing up. I, I was, that's always been my little story. Mm -hmm. And then now it was tested in the world, my world at least was gonna see it. And so are you gonna stay that person or are you gonna be someone differently? And I thank God I managed to stay that person and use all these skills and tools I'm telling you guys now I use them throughout this time. So it was an off day for me. I had no work and I was just chilling. I was meeting up with different friends and different people. And I had uh, nothing to do besides chill. So it's not like I was out being physical. I wasn't out dancing. I wasn't using any energy. It was an off Weren't day. doing 15 classes a day. That was one day. Yeah, I wasn't doing one anything. day. And so I woke up from a nap, had slight abdominal pain. And then every within five minute increments, the pain increased. And I just knew like, okay, this is weird. And I thought I was like constipated. I thought like I just had an upset stomach, but the pain was just becoming unbearable. And my stomach started to get really big, like I'm pregnant, it's hard to push it out. But like my stomach was protruding out so wild and I just, I called my friend's mom and was like, can you pray for me while I try to use the restroom? Cause something's not right. And then that didn't work clearly. And uh, Luke Brodlick saved my life. Laura Quinn, they called my friends and was like, something's wrong with my kill. Someone get to his house. Luke Brodlick made it to my house, rushed me to the emergency hospital. Last, uh, as soon as I got there, the doctor came in, touched my stomach. It was, a, it was May 27th, your birthday. Mm -hmm. It was May 27th. The doctor touched my stomach. It was a Thursday night. He said he has to go into emergency surgery. And I was like, great, send me into surgery. I just need to be better. I'll wake up in a few hours. Uh, Kat Rindick was there. I think Ava, Johnny Arasmi, John Ray Bond, Laura, Luke, Brandon Alexander, first people on site. Yo, if that was a show, that was a cast. <laughs> that was a cast. That was a cast. But mind you, this was, this was like a decade ago. So they, they were all still like, they were, somebody's but not who they are yet mm. you know they still had a whole journey ahead of them as well so so make friends genuinely because later on look they're all major um but yeah the doctor rushed me and that was a thursday i woke up from a coma on a monday i had uh i was on life support i had a tube down my throat because i was on a ventilator and the doctor telling me that i almost died twice during the first initial event and then during the second surgery that you've been in a coma for four days, you used to have 21 feet of small intestine, you only have four feet or less, and we don't know if your stomach will ever wake up again and function as normal, your whole life has changed. Mind you, I have a tube in my throat, so I can't even talk. I can't ask questions, all I can do is cry, and it was, horrible because you would think that was the worst of it but that wasn't the worst of it i wasn't getting better i went down to 105 pounds i ended up having four major surgeries seven blood transfusions my heart just would not work it was my heart was working at under 30 percent capacity so i was on the telemetry floor with people who are 80 90 years old and here i am in my early 20s confused because i don't do drugs i don't really drink I eat healthy, I'm a dancer, so I'm active. How am I fighting for my life? And the worst part about it, you guys, is that nothing caused it. 
it was as random as if you just seen my arms fall off and I had to, and, I, and you would have to say, well, how does arms fall off? And then you would be like, I don't know. He just was sitting there and they just fell off. What happened to me wasn't a medical condition. It wasn't me moving and shaking anything up. It was one of the complexities that no one can understand. So imagine being a man of faith who, who's been striving to be a good person, who's on the cusp of finally booking jobs. It's the first time I was booked on more than one job in a month, so I was very proud of myself. I didn't get to do any of those jobs. So not only was my body shattered, my dream was shattered, my hope was shattered, and I ended up being in the hospital most of 2010 because I wasn't getting better. And I just, the only thing I can say is I, as much as I cried and I got to see who was really my friend and a lot of people loved me. I learned a lot of people loved me because so many people came to see me. David Moore taught a master class for me. Jaquel taught a master class for me. Millennium held me down. Marty taught a master class for me. And these are people, I, I hadn't worked with Marty. I was just a student. I was just a front desk guy. But because those genuine relationships, I told you about that when life attacked me, I had people fighting for me. It was really difficult. I can't do the story justice by telling it. But my favorite part is that when I got out of the hospital, finally, they let me out, not because I was getting better. They let me out because it was the only thing they hadn't tried. And so they were like, well, we haven't tried this. Let's let them out, see what happens. I finally get out. I go right back into the hospital because the little bit of intestine I had left exploded again. And the doctors are like, it's just not working. I'm like, it's gonna work. I just have to keep trying. And I cried a lot. I was in a lot of pain. I looked like a skeleton, but I had so much faith. And I just knew that I saw the life God showed me. And I knew that that life had to happen. So like I told you guys, I didn't let my circumstance define me. I let the reality of what I was reaching for be my only destination, be the only determining factor. And I ended up being off of all my medication. I was supposed to be on four medications the rest of my life. I was supposed to be a real life Iron Man and, and have a thing in my chest where I hook up with the tube to eat because I was my body was gonna never process food again. I even took class with the tube that I unhooked, went and took the class with Lyle, Gilbert, Jonathan Raybon, John, Jonathan Erasmi, Ava was there, freaking, uh, Christian, only, everyone was there. I took class while not having my ability, but I had all my faith. I had all the hope of my future. And that allowed me to have something to hold on to, even though in the moment there was no ground beneath me. Um, and yeah, I just took myself off all the medication because I realized in that moment that all the faith I have in God, all the faith I have in myself wouldn't matter if I didn't make a choice. Mm. And no one can make your choices for you. You have to make your choices. You have to say, am I going to live or am I going to die? And I told myself I was going to live. I told myself and I was going to live abundantly. I was going to be all the things I knew I could be. And God couldn't choose that for me because I could deny him. My friends couldn't do it for me because they're not me. I had to believe. And when you are willing to believe, you can receive everything you need to get to where you're trying to go because it's like uh, faith and being a light and hard work, those things make you a magnet and you start to attract all the right people, all of the things. So I knew that the ability to live came down to my 
ability to not die in my mind, to not die in my heart, even though my body technically was dying. Because it wasn't an almost, like, it wasn't one of those, like, I could have died. It was like, no, you're about to die. Doctors come out, tell your people, this is it. We're sorry. We tried everything. Then last minute, I pull through. It's one of those real, like, near-death experiences. Um, and I lived a lot of life after that. My career shot up after that. I had to fight because the hardest part of that trial, you would think it's the hospital experience. It wasn't. The hardest part is I was finally out of the hospital, but now what do you do? I'm starting over. I weigh at this point 117 pounds. It wasn't the fact that I didn't die that was hard. The hardest part was how do you live again? Mm. How do well, you live again? What did you do? How, how did you rebuild yourself? Like, do you know what I mean? How did you get back to being Michael? I, I, never, I never stopped being Michael. So I think a lot of times we go through so much that we forget who we are. And then we become more of what we hate than who we're supposed to love. And so I stayed me. I was telling jokes in the hospital. The days I wasn't crying, I was telling jokes. And the days I was crying, I still was praying. And when I got out and it didn't make sense, I just kept saying, I know what God showed me. I know who I, I can be. And I'd rather live every day of my life dying and trying than to live my life the walking dead. I'm not gonna not try. If I get there and fail, great. I know I went all the way, but you're not gonna get Michael Wilson to quit too soon. So I was willing to die. When I, when I decided not to get the permanent uh, intravenous line in my chest and I stopped taking the food through my arm, that was a choice I had to make. The doctors were like, if you don't get this liquid in your body, your body's not working. You can't eat food by mouth. You're going to die. I said, well, let's find out. Let's see what they happens. Want, they wanted you to be a Tesla, yo. They did. And I was <laughs> just like, I was like, let's see what happens. I'm going to stop taking the nutrition from the tube because I have this mouth, I'm gonna try to eat. And I would throw up, I wouldn't eat. So I was going days with not enough food until I, my body finally decided to be like, yo, this fool is not budging. We have to do what he wants us to do because he's not gonna do what the doctor said and what our body feels like. He's gonna do what's in his mind. And I made myself, I made, I said, God, you got to meet me, bro. You supposed to be real, what's good? And you, you have to meet me. Like I had no other choice. I was gonna either live a full life or die. That was my options I gave myself. But I wasn't about to live in this gray area of doubt and fear and depression. I was gonna live my life to the best or I was gonna accept the fact that my body couldn't handle this world and die and I was willing to die to live. Mm. Yeah, man, it's so inspiring. Like, and I think it comes down to, for me, the way, it, comes across as in like your mental how you mentally cope with it totally. was what was what got you through it you know it's not mm -hmm. a physical thing it shows how powerful our mind is not so much how powerful physically we are but how mm -hmm. mentally strong you need to be to get through stuff you know right and, and i think we forget that our minds work that way when i uh, when you when you have those type of experiences where your body's that traumatized you're on very strong medication, like extremely strong. And I was on this medicine called Dilaudid, which is multiple times stronger than morphine. 
and it's a really strong drug. Like, like I couldn't move, literally couldn't even do this. And I would take it through a button and within a minute have some mobility. Mm. And I, I started to research and I was like, well, is this medicine healing me? And they were like, no, it just sends a signal to your brain to tell you that there's no pain. And I said, if medicine can do this, why can't I be my own medicine? Why can't I tell my brain that the pain's not that bad, that you can make it? So instead of taking my medicine, I stopped taking my pain medicine. And the doctors were like, I can't believe you're not taking pain medica medication. And I said, it's because I want to tell myself. I don't want to be addicted to drugs. I want to be addicted to hope. I want to be addicted to power. I want to be addicted to the provision of a man's faith. That's what I want to be addicted to. And so I stopped taking the medicine that the doctors gave me because like you're saying, it is mental. It is mental. It's overcoming yourself. It's overcoming your mind and understanding that we are made to be brilliant. We are made to be amazing, but you won't be anything you haven't chosen. And so if you can't choose it in your mind, you'll never live it in your life. Yeah. And, and it's like the carryover is most of us and most of us are probably never going to have to be in that situation, you know, mm -hmm. where we have to be that mentally strong. But right. even if you can take that mentality to little things like, I don't want to take class today. No, I'm going to make sure I don't want to, but mentally I'm going to make myself. I don't want to mm -hmm. go to the gym today. I don't want to eat good today. I don't want to cook a meal. Like if you can get in that mental mindset, like it's going to carry over everywhere. And if you can, and with you, it makes complete sense. Cause if you could switch that on to stay alive, switching it on to take five classes in the morning and six in the afternoon is easy. You know, Nothing. like, like you've already overcome so much more. And I really mm -hmm. feel like it's a, it, it really shows why you've been so successful and why you've got such a hard work, work ethic because you overcome something so much bigger, mm -hmm. you know? Right. And I just think it comes down to applying. Uh, I think we get inspired every day and we're motivated, but we don't apply that to our identity. We only apply those things to what we do. So we're reading books, we're on podcasts, we're doing all of these things to apply it to what we do and, and to apply it to our destination. But you should apply those things to your person. And by default, everything you do is going to be that. And that's where I win. When I'm taking in knowledge, I'm not just saying like, oh, this is going to make me sing better, dance better, get more money. I, do, I apply it to my person, like you're saying. Mm. I, you want to take all of your successes, all of your failures, and apply the wisdom of them to your identity. And as you become a more well-rounded person, then you can expand your platform. Mm. No, it's amazing, man. And, and that's why I really wanted you on the podcast. I, like I said, I don't want to talk about dancing on a huge stage and stuff, because that's the things that people, I guess, will know you. If they don't know you, that's what they'll see. They'll go, Michael yeah, Sings, totally. Michael dances with Justin Bieber and I see much deeper than that. I go, no, that's, that's not the, that's not Michael. That's you know, not the that's, highlight. that's not the highlight. That's not the, that's not the appeal for me. That's, that's, mm -hmm. that's a cool story. But the human is what I'm attracted to, you know? Yeah, totally. Dude, this has been so inspiring. Thank you so much. Um, do you have any advice for people trying to, I would say navigate in this industry because that's, I guess, what the podcast is about. But I feel like you can give so much more than that. Well, one, keep 
you know, listening to this podcast and other podcasts because nice Kane has great people on the ins and out. I always pay attention to who he has on and he has great people. He has people who have talent. He has people who have experience and he has people who are people. So take advantage of these free resources and take advantage of paid resources. A lot of us pay for things that won't invest back into us. Things like my program, the Motivated by Mighty, that's worth your investment because it'll invest back into you. Uh, there's a lot of other programs out there. Spend the money, spend the time, spend the tears. Don't just let it be a reservoir of maybes and what ifs. I want everyone to work harder on who they are on the inside and work harder on what they do on the outside. I promise you, you probably think you're doing enough and I wanna tell you, you're not. Um, you're not doing enough. Uh, and I always tell myself, it's not enough. I don't go to the point where I'm falling apart, but almost. <laughs> you want to push your own limits, push your own mind, push your heart and be a good person to everyone along the way. Because outside of it making the world a better place, you never know who's gonna be in a position of power later that you'll need. So be great to everyone, be great to every person. And where you can't, I always say this, where you can't find the light, be the light. And I also say where you can't find the people that are supposed to help you when there's no one here, build those people, make those people. Instead of complaining about the people around you, help transform them into the people you want to be around. Don't just cancel the cancel culture of this sucks, it's not working. That doesn't always work. You have to work it and make it work. The people, if they're not exactly what you like, they're not exactly your speed, you may have to have some tough conversations, forgive and forget, fight and forgive, forgive and fight, but stay in whatever you're doing for the long haul because it can't deny who you are. Only you can deny it by not being willing to become it. You're amazing. <laughs> I'm all right. All right. Bro, thank you so much. I really appreciate you. You are amazing. Um, and it, you your episode, me. thank you. And your episode 112, which worked out well for you this week. And then that was in 112. But my Go. question is before I leave, Go. Um, and I guess to anyone out there, like, does anyone need anything? Kane, do you need anything? Do you have what you need outside of this? Like, is everyone okay? Because I don't think we're asking each other genuinely enough. So is there something you need? I just need everyone to be nice to each other. Okay. That's, that's well, what I that really need. said, you're ugly. I don't like, no, I'm kidding. <laughs> <laughs> I'm kidding. <laughs> Damn okay. you. Yeah, I just need everyone to be nice to each other. Stop hating on each other and mm -hmm. we're all in this together, yo. Okay. And you're not Thank engaged you. yet? Yes, I am. You are. I knew that. You're not yeah. married yet. No. Okay. I don't know when. It's coming. Okay. I'm proud of you. I think you're doing great. Um, keep up the good work and just know that it's about the people you can reach, not always the people that are on. Mm -hmm. Because if one of these people, just one, shares it with someone who shares it with a million, you've done your part. So mm -hmm. just be captivated by the heart of what you're doing. Mm -hmm. Because like a heartbeat, that will mm -hmm. give the blood well, away. You know? I try not to look at the how many people watch and how many people stuff. I, I try to resonate with how if it helps one person, my job is done. Mm -hmm. 
but even if it doesn't, it helps me. Right, that's what I was saying. Let it help you. You know, like because your life is far from over too. You're you're so no. young. You barely turn thirty, right? You're so young. Thirty thirties, and you have a lot. You have a lot in you and a lot to overcome. You've learned a lot. Um, your balance of humility with confidence is so much better. And you know, see bigger. You know, like this. This is a cool platform, but see see a show don't be afraid to see it as a show don't be afraid to see it as like in um on cartoons when like the person takes over the world and invades every person's <laughs> device like okay. see that like allow yourself to see beyond what's even imaginable mm -hmm. i will All i'm right. a sign up i'm a sign up to the mighty uh mighty motivational program it's dope i'll send you the um i have like these cool flyers alex Sick. made me and i'll send them to you Send me everything as well, and I'll put it on when I advertise it. I'll put all the links in the in the bio. And all people, right. if you uh, got any questions about it, hit me up or my Cal. I'm sure he'll answer you. Yeah, if you can DM me I'll... if there's some good questions. No dumb questions. Don't ask me if I got the Snapchat of these artists I work for. Don't ask me nothing stupid. But <laughs> if there's some real life stuff, or you're interested in the program, which I hope you are, or the book, hit me or Kane. Yeah. Amazing. Thank you, bro. I love you. Love you too. Bye. Bye. Thank you for listening to the Ins and Outs podcast. Please leave us a five-star rating and review on iTunes and share the podcast with your friends and family. Boom.